Are you ready to take full control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD will teach you the tools and strategies to help you take control of your health and inspire you to live your best life. Now here is your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, MD. Welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD. This is the show that is designed with you in mind. The goal here is to share accurate health information and provide inspiration that may help you to improve your health and your life. I am your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, MD, and as always, I appreciate you joining me each week as we continue to bring you the best in inspirational health information. The show is aired each week on 1570 AM WIGO in Atlanta, as well as 95.1 FM KSBT Radio in Houston. All shows are aired and archived online at FMG Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Radio Invasion FM, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, as well as on YouTube. For details and showtimes, please go to my website at drdianethompson.com. And while you're there, please sign up for updates. We also have a very active Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash Thompson. Please come on over, like the page, leave a comment, ask a question. We really look forward to you being there. And I'm on Twitter, and my handle is at DrDianeMD. I must remind you that the information provided on these broadcasts is for educational purposes only and is not intended for diagnosis or treatment. Please seek the advice of your healthcare provider before making any changes to your health. All right, so this week we're going to be talking about strategies for successful weight loss. And this is going to be uh, in two parts. So you'll hear part one this week and you'll come back next week for part two. Now, we know that obesity is such a tremendous problem in this country, and it also results in many health consequences. We hope today, as well as next week, to shine the light on the problem and help to discuss some successful strategies to help you finally get that weight under control. To help me do this is Dr. Christine Salter. She is a family medicine physician and she specializes in holistic medicine as well as obesity medicine. She is the medical director for the Center for Vibrant Health and Wellness. And you can locate her website at drsalter.com. Dr. Salter, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Well, you know, I'm so happy that you're here to help us shine light on the problem of obesity. Before we get to that, though, I saw something in your bio, and people often wonder about this. I wanted to ask you, uh, one of the things you practice is holistic medicine. So what made you decide to also practice holistic medicine? Well, actually, I practiced holistic medicine before I became a medical doctor. So it was the other way around. Um, I'm originally from the United Kingdom, and uh, over there we do have um, socialized medicine. And um, I had developed some neck pain, and I went to my regular GP, and uh, she just kept giving me a, a prescription pain medicine, and that didn't help me at all. 
Um, my pain continued to get worse until somebody told me to see a naturopath, an osteopath. Uh, I did that, and in two treatments, my pain was gone. So um, I was originally thinking of becoming a medical doctor back then, and I thought, well, the medical doctor didn't really help me. Um, I better become a naturopath and osteopath, and that's what I did. So my, my original training is in the field of uh, naturopathy and osteopathy, and that is the British osteopathy or the European osteopathy, not the American osteopathy where there really are medical doctors here. Um, so that's, that's what I did, and uh, the, the whole field of naturopathy and osteopathy is about treating the whole person. Looking at, the, looking at the spine, looking at the structure, looking, looking at the diet, looking at mind, just how the entire being um, affects health. So that was where I started, and um, I ended up in medicine. So that, that is my journey. Ah, so basically what you just explained, is that how you would define holistic medicine to someone who probably doesn't know what, what holistic medicine is? That's correct. It's really looking at the entire it's mind, body, spirit. I mean, that's really the way of saying it. it's mind, body, spirit, looking at the entire being, the entire organism, of, um, and looking for the root cause from a global point of view. Global meaning the mind, body, and spirit, how they all impact on whatever's going on with that person. So that's why the term holistic um, is spelt, uh, you know, sometimes it's spelt W-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C and sometimes just H-O-L. But with the W-H, you get the idea that it's the whole person. And I agree with you that, you know, in approaching medicine, so I had traditional medicine training and didn't have that holistic training that you had in terms of the osteopathy that you had. But I do believe that you can't just look at a physical ailment and decide to simply attack it and not look at other aspects. So give us an example for someone who's out there listening in, because we do hear the term quite a bit, holistic medicine. You, you go to many websites and you'll see doctors say they practice holistic medicine. Give us an example. If someone were to walk in with a particular health problem, how would you look at that differently than, say, someone who doesn't practice holistic medicine? Well, um, well, let's say somebody comes in complaining of a headache. Well, first of all, we want to decide, uh, we're going to take the traditional history to decide, well, is this a pathological headache? Is there something, you know, pretty nasty going on that's causing this headache, like a brain tumor? You know, we, we have to rule that out. And, uh, you know, once we've asked those questions, then we've got to go on to then say, okay, uh, in, in the entire person's being, what else could be contributing to this headache? What could be causing this headache? Um, now, as a traditional medical doctor, it would simply, once you rule out this, that it isn't anything pathological, then you may just whip out the prescription pad and write a prescription for a pain med, and the patient would be gone in, in, a, in a short period of time. But what else could cause a headache? Well, if you're not drinking enough water, you can get a headache. Okay, so that would be a root cause, simply inadequate hydration. Chronic stress is a cause for headaches, um, tension headaches. So then we'd have to then look, you know, ask questions, you know, what's going on at home? What's going on at work? You know, what other things are going on? Is there chronic stress going on? Are they worried about something? Maybe that's the reason for the headache. And part of it is not just me being uh, an investigator. Part of it is helping the patient see 
and for them also to to be part of the process you know of saying okay well, what is going on in my life that could be causing this uh, the other thing it could simply be is you know are they just sitting at work all day in an awkward position you know with their computer so maybe the computer is uh over to their right side and they've got their head tilted looking looking across all day uh causing a problem in the neck and then now uh, tr- causing trigger points in the trapezius which runs up into the neck and down into the back and now that's going to give them a headache so we've got to look at the structure we've got to look you know at their emotions for all we know they could be constipated you can you can get a headache from not having regular bowel movements and so so now I've got to ask questions about are you having daily bowel movements are you eating a high fiber diet so we we have to look at multiple areas to then come to the conclusion as to what is the reason for this headache and then we can then we can say okay well you know you can increase your water uh we can give some remedies i mean there's some nice um essential oils that are very useful for headaches, you know, essential oil of lavender, peppermint. Um, but we don't make the mistake of simply giving somebody a remedy uh, in place of a medicine without properly looking at the root cause. So we don't want to say, well, I'm not going to give you a prescription for Vicodin. Instead, here, take peppermint. We still want to find out, are you drinking enough water? Are you having regular bowel movements? Is there stress going on at home? Maybe the treatment of this headache needs to be deep breathing and relaxation. Maybe it's sleep deprivation. So we've basically got to go through the entire lifestyle and find out what's going on at home to really get a, a handle on this. Fascinating. I mean, what you say here makes complete sense. So I wonder if you have any thoughts as to why this is not promoted more in traditional medical training well you know that is a very good uh, that's a very good question and i think part of it it's about time isn't it so it's about time the the average visit is what seven minutes well uh it's hard to get all that information in seven minutes and if you're also going to do you know spinal manipulation it's definitely not going to take seven minutes and so just the way that um, the system is set up, you know, the insurance companies, you know, they cut the cost of the of care, of, you know, the reimbursement uh, to physicians. So physicians are forced to see a lot of people in a short period of time because they're being driven by the insurance company. And so, so physicians are just saying, okay, let me just get, you know, let me just try and deal with the situation here. You've got a bad headache, they rule out something that's really bad and say, here's a prescription. Next, you see. So that they don't have time to sit down and just go through all this. That This whole thing could take, you know, easily, you know, 20 minutes. And then if you're going to do a little treatment there, it may take 30 minutes. And in that time, a physician, a traditional physician may have seen, you know, three, maybe four patients, you see. So I think that that's, that's, that's the issue. Yeah, Uh, it's a sad thing because I think we do patients a disservice when we're not able to fully investigate what's going on and as you say, what's the root cause of the problem because um, we quickly do things because we have to many times and there's a pressure of time and seeing a certain number of patients and I, I hope the system changes because it's really not good for patients and it's not good for physicians. So I hope that changes. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And that's why I've opted out of all insurance. So now I can take that time and I'm not governed by the insurance telling me I've got to see so many people in an hour. 
So that's why I practice the way that I do. Yeah, and and uh, there are several uh, smart physicians who are doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, though, do you find that patients are able to see you? Because um, I think that's a fear that, that some physicians who want to practice that way, that's one of their fears, that perhaps the patients won't be able to then afford the services. What, what's your experience? Uh, well, you know, um Certainly, it's not for all patients, but I, I have I have various patients, and you know, if it's important to them, they do it. You know, they I've had patients when I when I first made the announcement, which was back in 2009. You know, a lot of my patients went on to see um, physicians who were you know in network, and after after a year or so, some of those patients came right back again. Even though they could have seen another doctor for a $30 copay, they were willing to pay a lot more because it was only a 10-minute visit. You know, they were used to sitting down and really having a conversation to find out what was going on, and, uh, and that just wasn't happening. And so those very same patients came back again. So, you know, people pay for what they, what they really want for the most part. And they may not be able to afford to pay something up front, but they will, they will set up payment plans and do it. That's been my experience. Yeah, wow. So I am speaking with Dr. Christine Salter, and she is the medical director for the Center for Vibrant Health and Wellness. And we just got through talking about uh, what holistic medicine is, because we see that term quite a bit. Many times patients don't really understand, so wanted to see what her approach is. So we're going to take a brief break, and we will be right back. When we come back, though, we're going to start talking about obesity medicine. We want to take a look at her approach to treating patients who want to lose weight. And so we'll be right back. Do you want to learn how to live a healthy, happy, and inspired life? Then listen to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. Thursdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Atlanta's Incredible Radio, 1570 a.m. WIGO. Listen to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. for tools and strategies to live a healthy, happy, and successful life. For details, go to drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Dr. Diane A. Thompson. Welcome back. If you're just joining me, welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD. I am speaking with Dr. Christine Salter. And we are now going to be talking about obesity medicine. We want to share information with you today to help you on your way to losing some of that weight, help you understand why you haven't been losing the weight and and give you some strategies. As I mentioned to you early on in the show, this is a two-part show. So you'll have part one this week and part two next week. By the way, Dr. Salter can be reached at her website at drsalter.com. Now, Dr. Salter, why did you become interested in obesity medicine? I know obesity is a major, major problem in this country. And I can tell you throughout the day, the vast majority of my patients, they come in for a different reason, but they have obesity as one of their problems, right? So what what interested you in this field? Well, actually, it's because I have the problem. (laughs) That's what that was. That's a good reason. Yes. The physician heal thyself That's situation. Right. <laughs> so, you know, while I was talking to patients, I'm like, oh, I guess I'm really talking to myself and I really need to do something about this. 
What so was your that, journey? That, what what happened there? You know, I, I did not have a weight issue um, when I was a teenager or anything like that. Um, but once I uh, started medical school, and of course the time I started medical school, I had a toddler. And then in my second year, I had my second child. And so when I was going into my clinicals, I was now nursing this baby and it was pretty stressful. It was pretty stressful. And despite being fairly active, uh, the weight just began to creep on. It just, it, just, it just crept on. It didn't matter that I was running around the hospital and just being busy and active and not even eating junk, just for eating all random times, um, the weight just began to come on. And it just st- it steadily, and as I went through residency and then opened my own practice, working very long hours, it just kept going. It just kept going. And, uh, and then it, I just reached a point where it, I wasn't just overweight, I was obese. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm that category that I'm, that I'm talking to patients about, you know? And uh, so it was really, it was a real rude awakening, you know, to look in the mirror and say, that's me that I've been talking about. Many years ago, I did not believe I saw so many obese people walking around. What do you think has contributed to this? Is it that we're more aware of it? Is it that our foods have changed? What's your theory on this? You know, uh, as, as you look at the data, um, it, there, there are different things that, that apply to this. Um, there's a lot of um, high caloric foods, um, sweetened uh, beverages um, that they're just they're supersized. So now they're there, then the availability is what, 24-7. You know, before shops would close and you would not be able to just go at midnight and go and, you know, get a Big Mac and a 32-ounce soda. <laughs> you just won't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So there's the availability. But the other thing that's happened is that a lot of toxins, that they were there before, but there are a lot more now. Uh, in the water supply, in the foods that we eat. So I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's a combination. I think we're not sleeping. We're eating more calories than we need. Uh, We're in a toxic environment, and we're stressed. So it's... um, Everything's just just kind of adding together, and this is the result. Uh, now we've got um, infants who are obese, so it's not because they're going to McDonald's at midnight, so there's something else going on. But, you know, for them also to be um, obese too, um, a lot of fructose um, has been added to the um, foods and the beverages, and uh, the infants are getting um, these foods. So it's, it's a real problem. It's a real problem. It certainly is. And as you mentioned, infants are obese. You have children being diagnosed with diabetes, That's right. yeah, type 2 diabetes that we That's used to associate with adults. With adults, right? So, so again, it's like everything is, is speeding up. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. The, these children, you know, they're up all time of the night. They're eating all these high caloric foods. And then they're not even eating real food. It's not even real. It's not even real food. It's fake food that's mm-hmm. got all kind of stuff in it that is just to- that is toxic for the body. So it sounds like we'll have a lot of work to do. A lot of it has to do with educating also the parents because kids are eating whatever they want to eat these days. Now let me ask you this because I tell you, you go in the bookstore, go in Barnes and Nobles, and there are endless books 
on the topic of weight loss. Everybody has a new diet. Every year there are new diets out. Yet people seem not to be able to lose the weight and keep it off. So what do you think are some of the things that are hindering weight loss for people? I think part of the issue is that people see weight loss as something you do for a period of time and they get through it and then they go back to whatever they were doing. So that that becomes a problem. They're they're not seeing that this is a lifestyle change. This is a complete change of whatever I was doing that got me here. I've got to change that completely and do something completely different. And so I think that's the problem. So, um, you know, if they if they were eating lots of salads and this whole thing, then they'll go back to eating all the junky food. But so so what we, have to, what we have to educate people is that we have to make a lifestyle change and whatever brought us to that position, that's what has to change. For me, I was working long hours. I mean, I would work, I'd be here, I'd be in the office until midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And that, so the, I, should have been, I should have been asleep at what? three hours before that. Mm-hmm. So now my hormones are completely thrown off. Now instead of my insulin being low, my insulin is high and my cortisol is high. So I'd go home after working all day because I was so busy all day, I'd go home and then I, would, then I would eat, okay? And I would eat, but would it be salad? No, it would be um, something high glycemic, like a nice vegetarian pizza, but still it's carbohydrate, and I may have a, a, a fruit beverage that no added sugar, but I don't know if you've seen those um, uh, beverages at like Trader Joe's where they've got the sparkling blueberry and it'll say no added sugar, but really there's no fiber in it, so it really is loaded with sugar even though it's natural sugar. So you're getting this, this carbohydrate hit um, along with the pizza. And so, so for me, it was just a huge setup uh, for me to um, just pack on the weight. Um, not enough sleep, high glycemics late in the evening, then going to bed, just, just a big setup. So, so when I lost my weight, I had to reverse those and continue to not do that. Otherwise, if I get the weight off and say, well, now I can go back to eating pizza at 11 o'clock at night and sleeping, you know, four hours, uh, the weight's going to come back on again. So it sounds like you're saying, first of all, take stock to see what the problem is that's contributing to this. And then once you do that, you really have to make a permanent shift. You can't go back. That's right. That's that's exactly right. A permanent shift. I like the way that you said that. A permanent shift. And each person is different. You know, it's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, so... You know, you see, you know, the different diets, the cabbage diet, this diet, that diet. At the end of the day, a lot of those diets are causing caloric restriction. You know, there's, there's nothing magical. There, there has to be a caloric shift. There has to be a downshift um, in calories. Whether you, whether you eat cabbage all day or peaches all day, it's going to be a shift downwards. But it's got to be something that you can sustain. You know, even if you eat healthy food, but you're eating more than what your body needs, you're going to gain weight, even if it's great food. If we're taking in more than the body needs, you'll, get, you'll gain weight. So we have to really say, what is my situation? What, what is it that I'm doing that's contributed to this weight gain? And then you look at those things and make changes in those things. I so agree with you. I think if you never really acknowledge what the problem is, you, you can't fix 
<laughs> you can't really fix what you don't acknowledge, you know. So exactly, yeah. exactly. That that's exactly right. And then you got then you got to write it. You know, I, I like writing things down. You know, you, you write down and you track because sometimes when, when we don't write things down, it's just kind of out there. You know, you think about it, but it's it, it's not really materialized until you write it down. So you write down what your weight is. You write down what you're eating, and then suddenly you see, oh my goodness, that's a lot of stuff that I'm eating. And and then why am I eating all that? You know, is it just kind of mindless eating, or am I really hungry? Am I just bored? What is it? Those questions uh, have to be asked, and then they need to be answered. And you're right. With writing it down, you can see it right in front of you. I did that when I wanted to make changes in the way I was eating because, as you said, I, you know, the weight started creeping up on me, and I was always thin all my life. So suddenly when I did the calculation, I realized, you know, wait a moment. I need to really watch what I'm doing. But once I was able to sit down and write down the things I was eating on a daily basis, I noticed that I did a lot of drinking of these sugary drinks. They had no nutrients to them and were high in sugar. So I was able to eliminate some of those because at least now I knew what I was doing wrong. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's fabulous. You know, when I was was a teenager going to college, I would, um, you know, I'd have to take the bus to college. And I got into the habit of buying a Mars bar um, because it was late in the evening I got in the habit of buying a Mars bar pretty much every night, you know, and I would buy the Mars bar and eat it on the way home. And just in just a few months, I mean, just one Mars bar in a few months, my jeans started getting just a little tight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then not, only, not only was I eating the Mars bar, just a block from my home, uh, there was a fish and chip shop. And so I'd have the Mars bar, then I'd buy some fish and chips, you know, so so now we've got high glycemic, high fat, really high fat, mm-hmm. um, high carbs. And uh, once I took stock of that and realized my jeans were getting too tight, I said, hmm, okay, I have to stop this. I, I just have to stop this. And um, so I did. <laughs> I stopped buying the Mars bar, <laughs> stopped buying the fish and chips. In fact, to make sure I didn't buy them, I'd cross over and go to the other side of the street and keep on going. And uh, so I wouldn't be tempted to walk right by the store until it got, kind of got out of my system. It was no longer a habit for me. And in a few months, that weight was gone. As fast as it came on was as fast as it came off. But that's when I was a teenager. Now, when we get older, sometimes it's, it's more difficult as the hormones change to simply get the weight off that quickly as, the, as we're able to do when we're younger. But it's the whole thing about, you know, taking stock of what you're doing and then doing something different once you realize what that is doing to you. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I, I remember, as you mentioned with the Mars bar, I, I would eat M&Ms. And if you take a look at some of these, it's a little packet. You inhale the stuff in like, you know, five right. seconds. <laughs> and then I remember running on the treadmill. And it was taking me a while. I'm huffing and puffing. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's taking me so long to burn these calories, and yet it's like five seconds for me to, you know, consume it. So <laughs> when, you, when you really think about it that way, it, you, you think differently when you're about to open a pack of those candies, you know? So. That, that's, that's exactly right. You know, you, ca- you can't out-exercise your mouth. Really, right. Right, you know? 
I mean, you've, you've been in the gym for like a, a week for yes, that um, exactly. cheesecake or whatever it, yes, whatever it yes. is, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like, as you said, um, taking stock, really paying attention to what you're doing and looking at the things that are hindering that weight loss as the way to begin. And what we're going to do, we're going to end part one of our interview right here. We'll continue with part two next week. I am speaking with Dr. Christine Salter. She is a family medicine physician who specializes in holistic medicine and obesity medicine. And she is the medical director for the Center for Vibrant Health and Wellness. Her website is drsalter.com. Well, we're going to take a break here. And we will see you guys next week on the broadcast. Remember, your health is your wealth. So please do something healthy for yourselves and catch us next week for part two of this interview where Dr. Salter is going to tell you more about good strategies to help you as you're on that weight loss journey. We're going to look at the energy balance. What What is energy imbalance? Why is it important? Why do you even need to know that? What about some of the hormones? What roles do they play in obesity? What about sleep deprivation? She mentioned that earlier. How does that play a role in obesity? So we're going to talk about those and then we'll give you specific strategies that may help you in your journey to getting to better health. So we'll see you next week on the broadcast. Until then, keep yourselves healthy. You have been listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD on 1570 AM WIGO. Please tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the best in inspirational health information. If you have missed any part of this broadcast, would like to find out more about Dr. Diane A. Thompson, or would like to receive her ebook on stress, please go to drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash drdianeathompson. Remember, your health is your wealth, so do something healthy for yourself. Have a great evening.